0: Welcome to Freelance Sucks, here we discuss the dark side of freelancing about which nobody usually talks out loud. In this show, we speak with experienced freelancers, and I'm sure listening to their stories helps you prepare for freelancer's challenges. My name is Yuri, I'm a community builder at CodeControl, NEM.works, and my guest is Brooks Lockett, a freelance copywriting business owner with a focus on helping companies in the SaaS, B2B, and AI markets to build their content engines. So welcome, Brooks. Thanks for having me super happy to talk to you and i i love this easiest question what is the most challenging part of being a freelancer
1: getting clients um <laughs> something that obviously gets easier with time networking consistency building your contact list but i mean yeah i think the fact that my LinkedIn DMs gets about five questions from different up and coming freelancers per week about how the hell do I get clients? (laughs) I think that that's probably the one that comes up the most and gives people the most anxiety. So I think that's the candidate for the hardest thing about freelancing.
0: So once again, is it for you also, or for those people who are asking you this question?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can't say that it's not. I mean, I think I've been completely on my own for around five years now, and I did have a little bit of a network before that. I had some people to lean on, little tiny bit of a social media presence, nothing insane, nothing crazy, nothing unique, really. Um, but I, I did have a solid niche. I did have a focus um, and some skills to back it up. So I mean, I think I was a little bit well set to do freelancing. Um, still very young when I when I was doing it. Um, so a lot of hard work, a lot of grit. Um, but no, getting getting clients is is always challenging. And I think over time it it starts to the, the question morphs and the challenge morphs and it becomes getting the right clients and and then it becomes getting clients who are building the world that I want to live in. And then it, you know, and that kind of becomes getting clients that align with my passions. And then eventually people just stop working with clients altogether and just turn themselves into a media brand. So uh, yeah, I mean, happy to answer any questions people have, especially early stage, I know it can be really challenging.
0: On freelance thrive, we're talking about uh, you having a subscription model, and you told that uh, you're working with clients uh, long term. And How do you when do you understand that you need to go for a client for a new client? And also, do you do inbound or outbound outreach?
1: I prefer inbound and I prefer warm outreach, like for example, and again, I give this I give all of this information with a caveat that I know this is really hard in the beginning, like in the beginning, this is almost impossible, like so you might have to do some outreach, like some cold outreach. And that's totally fine just um so i I should caveat this but i i do a lot of like written content like i i still am a big believer in blogging like you know not even like seo blogging just writing blogs that i think are helpful that are on my website people still do read them and i do no seo for them whatsoever like i don't (laughs) even have meta descriptions for them i don't even know i just write things that i want to write about and then I do a lot of, you know, kind of online, dark social, uh, which was very much a journey in kind of learning how to make that work, Um, especially on LinkedIn. Like, I do a lot of LinkedIn. I still post almost every single day. So, I mean, I've kind of built up that muscle for just having the 24-7 marketing always be on. Uh, I should say 24-7 content because it's not really like self-promotional. It's more just like, This is the information I think is going to be useful to my ideal customers and really, you know, talking to tomorrow's customers as Mm -hmm. much as talking to today's customers. So there's that too. And then staying really intentional about networking with people who I've done work with in the past and connecting people like in, in really unexpected ways, right? Like this is what I mean by warm. Warm outreach. Around the turn of the year, like in January, I have a list of clients who I've worked with in the past. It could be six months ago, it could be three years ago. I will just send them an email and I'll say like, hey, you know, I I really hope you're doing well. You know, it's, it's nothing too crazy. It's not like this crazy automation that took me a million hours to do. It's just simply saying like, hey, you know, would love to do some work with you guys this year, or if anything, would love to hear about what you guys are doing um and if they had recently moved companies you know how are things going at the new company like what are you guys working on not beating around the bush it's like of course like i would love for us to connect and work together share ideas and just kind of being that person who keeps lines of communication open with people and it's not really expecting anything it's more just Mm -hmm. like recognizing that networking works and like being in front of people works and 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 being helpful to people works. Like, for example, one thing that I've noticed over the years is that and this again happens with time, it's not in the beginning, but it happens with time and people will reach out and say like, hey, I'm getting a new job. Do any of your clients like have openings? Because these days it can be hard to get interviews. It's, It's really competitive. And I'm talking for full time employees like this could be a VP of marketing, at a startup where they recently left that startup and are just looking for new opportunities or they're doing a job search and, and, and they'll ask me they'll be like, you know, you work with, you work with clients. Like you see what, what teams are being built and what new products are being built. Like, do you have anyone who I could talk to? And it's like, I don't ignore those emails. I don't ignore those messages. I, I, I try to help and I try to go that extra step and help people because you know, it's it's a good thing to do. It's good to karma, you know, good things. When you put good things out into the world, good things tend to come your way. But also selfishly, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'll help you out. And then you're much more likely when you do get hired to bring me in on a subscription. It's like you're a VP of marketing, like you're a CMO. You're searching for a CMO role when you land that awesome role at this company that just raised one hundred million dollars to build this really badass product and I helped you get that job, yeah, like you might be inclined to reach out and bring me on some projects. And it's like simply being that person like who likes to connect to people and likes to connect with people, um, whether you're early stage, middle stage or late stage, that is the best thing you can do. Like that, those relationships and those contacts are the best investment of your time. Like it's because, and it's very indirect, it's not like, I'm going around just asking people constantly, like, do you have work for me to do? Do you have work for me to do? No. But (laughs) that's what I mean by warm outreach.
0: Got it. What is the most time consuming thing you must deal with as a freelancer, except for work itself?
1: yeah figuring in this this might resonate with the audience if they're listening to a podcast called freelance sucks so (laughs) the sucky part is like the, the great part is the freedom and the shitty part is the freedom because when you have the freedom you need to it's like it's on you to make the decisions about like where do i go next what do i do next like is this the right am i approaching this the right way and, yeah. and it totally it totally gives me anxiety it gives a lot of people it gives everyone anxiety like it's you are not human if it doesn't give you any level of anxiety and the bad news is the anxiety never stops <laughs> so if you're a new <laughs> freelancer, have fun with all that anxiety but um i'm slight i'm i'm slightly kidding but i'm also slightly being serious i mean it's you know, you you got to create runway for yourself. You got to make sure you're setting yourself up for, for revenue in the future. And it's a lot of work and it's a lot to think about. And you never really stop thinking about it, at least for me, like it, it never just completely goes away. Like even when I'm traveling, if I'm taking three weeks off of work and unplugging, you're not totally a hundred percent unplugged like you're still thinking about because it's your baby you own this thing like you now own your career you now own your business it's a hundred percent yours that can be an amazing thing but it can also be an equally as anxiety provoking thing and it's just something you have to learn to adapt to um but i'd say to, to to make my answer concrete it's It's figuring out where the hell to steer this thing is the most time-consuming thing outside of doing the actual work.
0: And how do you figure it out for you?
1: I do a lot of, you know, I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of, like, self-education. You know, it's so easy these days to just follow people online. It seems like everyone's kind of creating content. Everyone's got a podcast. Everyone's got stuff. (laughs) And it's really just finding those people that I like what they're doing. I think they're working on cool things. Like for me, that's, you know, I'm really into emerging technology. Like I really like new, impactful technology. I'm very into AI, I'm very into Bitcoin, I'm very into these things. Not from like a speculative, I can become a millionaire tomorrow kind of thing. I genuinely believe these are real innovations that are going to make humanity better and are going to solve deep problems for humanity. And I get really passionate about that. So for me, it's following a lot of people in those two spaces that are not necessarily freelancers. They're authors. They are business, they're startup founders. They are people, they're CEOs at large companies, they're they're people, they're government employees who are regulating this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I I follow those people and that kind of, you know, and I do follow some freelancers too. But it's kind of just like following those people who inspire you. And I think that is a good, a good guiding light because and I'd say especially people who are not freelancers following those people because they're going to give ideas from a very different angle and you're going to start you'll just start to think about things a little bit differently, I think when you first start freelancing, you know, you, you're reading all this stuff about being your own boss and self-employment and getting clients and stuff. And it's it's really easy to, like, have that super narrow way of thinking about the world and, like, everything revolves around my business. The world does not revolve around your freelance business. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Um, but it's just over time, you know, I think learning just the habit of learning is going to be your secret weapon and and also adopting new technology i think is really really important in terms of like alleviating some of the anxiety and stacking competitive advantages like for example i mean it's february 7th 2024 i think chat and ai large language models like all these things are very much an advantage, like one hundred thousand percent. You get more work done. You get higher quality work yeah. done if, if you use them the right way. I'm not saying pump out a bunch of garbage with AI, but I'm saying it adds scale. It adds intelligence. It's like having an employee. It is unbelievable. It feels like an it feels like an illegal amount of leverage sometimes. And I think so. My two points are learn a ton and adopt new technology an optimist like don't yeah. be pessimistic about the future like really believe that the future is good if you use the right tools and information it can be a really good thing
0: unless we have skynet somewhere around we're all good so
1: <laughs> unless like unless you know the ai really takes over <laughs> and the world becomes like black mirror but i personally, uh, yeah. I personally don't see it i don't think chat gbt is going to become like that but you know, that's a debate. <laughs>
0: yeah, even in Black Mirror, humans are still living. So <laughs> yeah, not the good <laughs> life. But anyway, Yeah. as a freelancer, do you ever feel professional loneliness?
1: Yeah, 100%. Like, I think, you know, I, I tend to, like, just to give a little insight into my, my day to day as a freelancer, and it looks different for everyone. But I do a lot of my work in the mornings, like mm-hmm. I you know, get up and I kind of crank it out until noon or one and then I'm I'm done. You know, I'm fried like my brain is fried and I can't really do much more work that day. So that leaves a lot of afternoons wide open. I block it off. I don't take calls and um, that it's amazing. Like it, it lets me I live in North Carolina in the United States and I like to go into the mountains and I like to go hiking and mountain biking and I like to go rock climbing and do all these things. And a lot of my friends are working until 6 and 7 o'clock at night, and so is my girlfriend. And it can get a little lonely. Like, I will say, um, the freedom is amazing, but there are times when you're like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do with my day today? Like, it can be kind of annoying, so to speak, but I wouldn't change any of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, professional loneliness, I try my best to get in person. I try to go to meetups, like professional meetups and mm-hmm. obviously having a social life helps too,
0: <laughs> but it's, it. it is. If your friend wanted to become a freelancer, what are top three things you'd advise them to consider before doing it?
1: Yeah. I mean, the number one thing is like. Be super realistic and 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 set yourself up like if you're and and I, I'll caveat this like anything is possible, anything is possible. Do not take this as like me raining on your parade because I don't want to. I want you to fucking go for it. Um, <laughs> but like have some contacts. Don't just like quit your job and jump in and like not have anyone to talk to and not even be on like social media, like be sure you have people who you can reach out to and you have like tangible steps you can take towards getting clients. That is the first thing. Um, Number two is, and this sounds super obvious, but it's like, make sure that you have kind of a unique skill set. Like if, if you've been a I mean, a virtual assistant and all you know how to do is like forward emails to people. That's not great. Like you you should be really good at copywriting. You should be really good at design. Like you should be extremely good at, at software engineering or a programming language. Like you, you need something special. Like you need at least a really sought after skill set um, to really monetize because you you have to provide value if you do yeah. not provide value you will not make any money
0: totally uh, it, it sounds like a good thing for employee too but yeah, yeah. it's for freelancer it's a little, a little bit different you know nobody will pay you just because you are employed
1: yeah <laughs> yeah and and i mean i've seen that you know i worked in a large corporation before i started freelancing it's actually the reason i started freelancing um there there's there's people that do absolutely no work in large companies like there's people that skate by there's so many employees you can totally fly under the radar and just make money and go home and sit in the meetings and not do anything in freelancing like not the case whatsoever you are going to be working hard so i'd say yeah i mean get used to that
0: <laughs> exactly you know brooks i wish to have the sky's the limit but time is a limit so the final question If you were starting freelancing today, what is one thing you would have done differently?
1: One thing I would have done differently, start posting on social media earlier. I hate to say that. And for me, that's LinkedIn. When I started doing like pretty much daily LinkedIn posts. Um, and I'm talking like real, tangible, impactful, useful, differentiated posts on LinkedIn. Even on the ones that got absolutely no engagement whatsoever, posting on social media consistently works. It absolutely works. it's the best. Inv- it's one of the best investments of time you can make. I wish I'd done that on day one. It took me a couple years to realize like, oh, this is how you. This is the modern way to just acquire clients and relationships. Posts on social media, like as early as possible.
0: You know the fun thing that I see: some people who are less experienced but but more active on social media are getting more projects and more experienced people, even though they are amazing. But yeah, you know you have we cannot, to.
1: We cannot grasp how large the Internet is and how many people are on social media. It could be Twitter, it could be Instagram. It could be LinkedIn, YouTube everywhere. Everyone pays most people, the vast majority of people. And especially if you're like doing working with Internet based businesses, they are on social media, even if they don't like your stuff, even if they don't comment on your stuff, give you the impressions. People are seeing it. It's just you have to believe that and you cannot fathom how many people are on these platforms. Your buyers are there. You just have to get in front of them consistently.
0: Totally. Brooks, thank you so much for sharing your challenges and for having such an open conversation.
1: Yeah, thanks, Siri. This was a blast.
0: And thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, hit the like button or five stars and share it with your friend. That's it. We're done. See you in the next episode.